Hey everyone and welcome to Sunday Night's Main Event. We are more than just a weekly radio show. We actually have a whole network of shows that cover the entire world of professional wrestling. From Raw and SmackDown to Dynamite and Rampage to Impact to New Japan and everything in between, we've got you covered. In order to get each of these shows, you have to be a Patreon. And to join our Patreon for just $5 a month, head on over to patreon.com slash SNME radio. This next show features an SNME original and a legend of this brand. That's Dan DeMouth Lavransky and his partner, Joe Aguinaldo, better known as the Old Fs. They're going to be talking all things AEW, Dynamite, chat some ratings, chat some wrestling, talk about the old days, because that's what they do best. As the old devs, they're going to be chatting all things AEW Dynamite. So if you like what you heard, head on over to patreon.com slash Radio, and for just $5 every month, you will get this show and many more. So without further ado, let's get to it. Everybody, welcome to another edition here, All Elite Wrestling Weekly. Dan the Mouth of Ransky, Joe Aguinaldo here with you. Uh, another action-packed episode of Dynamite, the first one of February uh, from Dayton, Ohio, and we're going to get into it, run down the whole thing here. Some great matches, as always, some interesting storyline stuff as well. But I thought because it just happened that Perhaps, you know, as Joe and I are the older guys here in the group, uh, that we just got the news at 68 years old of the passing of Leaping Lanny Poffo. Of course, uh, the brother of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Randy Poffo, son of Angelo Poffo, who was a big figure in pro wrestling history as a wrestler and as a promoter. Um, so, yeah, Leaping Lanny passes away. And uh, I mean, he was. He was always an interesting character, kind of always in the shadow of his brother, especially later on. It seemed to be like, uh, and definitely after he pa- after Randy passes, Lanny becomes kind of the, um, the keeper of the legacy there. But uh, interesting character in pro wrestling. And, you know, really one of the few guys to hold a win over Hulk Hogan uh, in... Um, that golden era there in the eighties when he, he beat him on a count out on Saturday night's main event. Oh, so that's of, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the few guys that was allowed to actually get a win over Hogan in that period. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he was, it, I mean, never a top guy, but, um, people always, especially when he was the baby face, people loved the gimmick where he'd read the poems and throw the Frisbees out into the crowd. Um, <laughs> But I always liked how he, he kept the poetry when he went heel, even when he was doing the genius gimmick with Mr. Perfect and that, and he would still do the poems. It's just amazing. So, uh, yet, uh, sadly, another unique character passing away in the world of uh, professional wrestling. Joe, what do you, any thoughts on Leap and Lanny Poffo? 
like honestly, I know a lot of people will remember him from you know the, the genius and you know Kurt Henning, his, his partnership with Kurt Henning and all that stuff. But I mean, I remember even before that when he was in the like that outlaw territory. What was it like? Uh, international or southeast? Well, the one his dad, the one his yeah, dad, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, the one like his that, dad run, and they were competing with Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah, because that that was where like through the after mags, that's where I got yeah. introduced to him, right? Right, and it's so it was weird because like. Like, here's the thing. So, you know, back then I was like, let's say 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, whatever. Right. So back then, like, like it was real to me. So, you know, I, I'm hearing all this stuff about Lanny Poffo and how he's, you know, how he's, he's this tough guy and, and, and all the stuff. And then he came to WWE and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this guy was tough. He's like, you know, he's this, this, this poet, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, it's kind of weird. Cause Lanny Poffo was almost like a, um introduction to like the world of gimmicks because his persona back in the like back in his sort of nwa slash you know um like outlaw territory days was so far removed from the genius and you know like in a weird way for lack of a better way to describe it like he almost started smartening me up to the business so to speak because it was like oh wait a minute that's not real (laughs) you know what i mean so um, always appreciated though, Lanny Poffo. Like I, you know, I, I love the like he. I mean, he back, you know, back even in the WWE, he was one of the first guys that you would see doing like the backflip type moonsault. Stuff, Very true, right? Very true. And Very you know, true. at that age, like, because I was, you know, I was still like 15, 16, whatever it was. That was a trip. Like you, you didn't see that, right? <laughs> like I mean, yeah, yeah. Granted, in 2022, it may not hold up, but back then, like, oh my God, he did a backflip. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, oh no, he well, he was one of the first guys in North America to do the moonsault. Yeah, um, I I interviewed him, uh, probably I don't know, five six years ago, maybe. Wow. And, uh, um, we were talking about that. And I was saying, you know, you were one of those guys that was doing high flying stuff when it really wasn't cool in North America and that. And uh, he made this great lighting. And I said, I go, I mean, you were one of the first guys to do the moonsault. He goes, he goes, yes, I claim I created the moonsault until I say I saw a tiger mask do it in Japan. Like, <laughs> that's where he got it from. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, very interesting character and definitely was one of the predecessors certainly uh, up here in that kind of style in that as well so and always he always i mean when we were doing the law he we had him on several times as a guest and he was always an interesting character to talk to you were you always came up with some interesting stuff with lanny poffo that's for sure (laughs) yeah he's he seemed like that in a lot of his interviews let's say so there you go. Rest in peace. Uh, I'm sure AEW will mention. I'm sure WWE will mention it as well. I would hope that the WWE would at least they would mention it. If not, you know AEW. what I could see happen in AEW. I mean, if they're they're fans, I mean, I don't know, but I could see the acclaimed doing mm-hmm. something like a more poetry oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Maybe even coming out with frisbees, <laughs> doing that thing there. But we shall see. I'm sure they will do something. All right, so uh, anything else? Do you want to get into this episode here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Now, when I was, you know, I don't watch the show live. I watch it the next day. So I'm not following the comment board on the SNME page on Facebook when you guys are watching it. But I, I seem to get the impression going through the comments today that you were not particularly enjoying a lot of this episode. 
No, that's actually not true. I I know we're going to get into more details. I really love this opening match. I thought it was really good. You know what, though? There were some – and we'll get there. But there were some things that I just kind of like was like, are you kidding me? Like that didn't make sense. And okay. uh, I'll admit there was like the Daniel uh, – Brian Danielson-Thatcher match I didn't like as much as I wanted to because of the way they set it up. But again, we'll get there. All right. Uh, the opening match that Joe's talking about right out of the gate here, and this really was a corker to start with because, you know, the crowd wants to see both of these guys, so they, everybody's worked up. It's John Moxley against Hangman Page. We just had the match recently where Page actually beat Moxley. Well, I guess we're, I guess are we one and one at this point? Yeah. Going into this match, we're one and one, right? Each guy's yep. beat the other, right? Okay, so big match here. Uh, yeah, this was this was an excellent open match, uh, opening match on the program. Uh, Moxley Moxley came through the crowd with Wheeler Yuta, which is not a surprise, but he came through also with his dad. He brought his dad on his entrance through the crowd, which got the crowd totally pumped up. Yeah, that might have uh, been a bit of a spoiler that Mox might be winning that match. <laughs> his dad, eh? I know, his dad is there. Dad is there. Uh this one, it gets started right away. Like, Moxley just runs at Page as soon as Page comes down the ramp. He throws him in the barrier, uh, takes over. He throws him into the crowd. He freaking jumps up on the crowd barrier, does the classic double axe handle off the top onto Page. Then he whips him into a figure four, like, out in the crowd, like, not just at ringside, but past the barrier into the crowd. He puts him in the figure four. The crowd, of course, is loving it. Um, he Moxley even he's even got a chair. He wants to put uh, Page's ankle in the chair, but Page actually gets the chair from him, and he throws it. He throws the chair at him, and then he suplexes him on the chair. Um, they finally get in the ring after a lot of craziness on the outside and stuff, and the match officially starts. Okay, so hold on. So I timed it. That was about oh, six and a half minutes outside much, the ring. Hey? Yeah, it's yeah, a pretty good chunk. It was yeah. a pretty good chunk. Um. But so, you, don't get me wrong. It was good. Like, it was a good battle outside the ring. I liked it a lot in this. Yeah. And it was right after that. It was right here, too, as they get in the ring. And it's, at some point, Moxley got busted open the hard way. Um, I guess when Paige threw the chair at him. That that would be my guess. But, like, it didn't take long for him to get no, color. <laughs> he was covered. He was covered. And, but you could tell from the way it was that that was not a blade job. That was hard way, I think. He, I don't think that was planned. You know, even if it was, I, I didn't care. I just thought it was great. It's like, hey, Mox is bleeding. This is well, awesome. Right? I suppose so. it, I mean, I suppose it could have been because he does if when he does do the blade job, he does tend to do it early in the match. Although, so it you know, been. P- part of me wonders, though, like, I mean, I got to imagine he's got some scar tissue up there now. That's pretty easy to so get. So it's easy. to. You know break. what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, who knows? Break. But again, I, I like when he when he was when he was bleeding, um, I just I didn't care. I was like, oh, he's got blood going like because I, I did see someone post on Twitter. And again, I, I don't know how true this is, but I did see someone post on t- Twitter that the cameraman caught Mox blading. But I don't I don't recall seeing. I don't that. remember I mean, seeing that. Yeah, no. exa- exactly. Right. So I kind of think that it was off the chair spot. Now, whether or not it was a work or whether or not it was, it was a hard way, right. that's a whole right. other shot. That's a whole other story. But it was just fun. So obviously coming off that, Page gets control for a while, uh, but then Moxley stops him with a lariat on the apron. Um, they did this whole sequence on the apron where they were both trying to kind of 
pile drive each other and kind of just going back and forth um, until Page, uh, he threw Moxley off the top of the post. Uh, so they're fighting on the outside some more. Uh, Moxley, of course, raking the back and biting him at the same time. Okay, so hold on. Which feed were you watching? I was watching the feed where um, it was it was straight. Like there, I didn't have to okay, deal with so, pick and pick. So just so you know, we're in the pick and pick now. So when Ooh. when Paige okay. put uh, Mox in the ring post, and you know even the raking of the back, that was all in the pick and pick. Wow. Well, sorry, yeah. no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me let me rephrase that. So. Hangman throws Mox into the ring post. Then yeah. we go into the pick and pick. And like, like you mentioned, the like uh, Mox getting Paige on the top rope. That that was still happening in the pick and pick. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That it's so it's so different when um you don't have to deal with the pick and pick. Big time. I, <laughs> it's so much better. And I, yeah, I I forget sometimes that yeah. we're even in it. And all of a sudden Excalibur's going, "Welcome back, everybody." I'm like, "Oh yeah, shit." Um, so, uh, and then, they're, so they're up there on the top, uh, Paige gives them the avalanche death valley. Okay. Drive. So just so you know, Paige bites Mox and then does the avalanche death valley. That's when they came back. So, that's when they came back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so Paige gives them the death valley driver off the top. He gets a near fall off that, uh, Moxley managed to get back up and gives him a cutter, but he's just so worn out that he can't pin him. Uh, they trade forearms back and forth. Um, Moxley goes for the arm bar, but Paige makes the ropes. Uh, they're outside again. They're outside the ring again. Paige does a moonsault off the top to the floor, but Moxley moved out of the way and he laid out Paige with a killer lariat to the side of the head. That, um, by the way, that that moon moonsault that Adam Page missed, man, I thought. Because he landed on his feet, right? Yeah. I, I was like, oh, I hope his knees are okay, because that yeah. looked like a very hard landing. Yeah. Uh, Moxley cleared off a table, and it looked like he was going to do something, but it actually ended up being Paige that powerbombed Moxley through the table. Uh, Hangman also got the Lariat and the Deadeye, but Mox kicked out from both of those. Moxley comes back with a killer Lariat of his own. Uh, Page gets the small package driver for a near fall. Page also gets the tombstone pile driver and the buckshot lariat. That's still not enough to beat Moxley. Hangman got the bulldog choke that Moxley usually does, but then Moxley, Moxley kind of flips him over and pins him. He just kind of does this quick reversal while he's still kind of even in the choke. And I guess the idea that Page tried to do one of Moxley's signature moves but couldn't do it. Like Moxley can because it's his signature move. Uh, so there you go. So that was the finish there. So Moxley got the pin in this one. Is this it? Are we done with these two now? Oh, God, I hope not. I could yeah. watch a couple I'm more curious. matches with these guys. Yeah. I mean, curious. like, the the way that they ended it, though, because, like, okay, they're one and one, right? Um, Paige, like, you know what? Like, I think they've got at least another match in them because, like, that Mox pin – you could almost argue that was a fluke. It you know was very I mean? quick. It was yeah. very quick, right? Yeah. You know, it was kind of a lucky pin. He just he just happened to catch Hangman sleeping, right? Right. Um, I I love the interaction though with like Paige trying to get at Mox and Mox, you know, like the guys holding him back. So I yeah I I would be shocked if we don't get at least one more match, perhaps at Revolution. 
Yeah, I failed to mention that after the match finished there, uh, Claudio and Wheeler Yuta were actually out there to keep them apart from keeping yeah. going afterwards. But again, another classic example of AEW putting a killer match to get the show started to really draw you in right away. And and I might argue that of their two matches, I thought that was the I thought like I really liked that match because it was just like, I did it was just a fight like I love you know what I like enjoyed that. it I thought it was better than the last one yeah too, it's on the page totally hundred percent hundred percent I agree it's a very good match uh, okay so uh, after all this wraps up before we go to our first break Darby uh, we have a little Darby video here because the main event on the show tonight is Darby Allen uh, taking on Samoa Joe once again defending the TNT title. Uh, so we've got this video. Darby says uh, he knows Joe wants another shot at the TNT title. And since Joe gave him a rematch, he's going to give him a rematch. He said, but under one condition, it has to be no holds barred. At that point, it cuts to Joe. Dead boy, little dead boy. He goes, <laughs> I'm coming to take what's mine. The king will not be usurped by a man like you. If I win, you get no rematch. If you win, I get no rematch. This will be the final chapter between Samoa Joe and Darby Allen. So there you go. That is the main event. Okay, we go to commercial break. Uh, Renee is backstage with the Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny, who have not been seen in months, or I haven't seen them. Uh, I guess yeah, they, maybe they've they, been they, floating they, around on dark and elevation. Yeah, they, they've been apparently they've been on that those shows a lot. So okay, so um, Renee's with them, and also uh, Jamie Hader, women's champion Jamie Hader is with them as well. And Renee says, "Bunny, you requested this time." And Bunny just basically says to Jamie Hader, uh, "We're very impressed with you, and you had that great win over Sakura last week." Um, and then Bunny goes, well, even though I thought she overshined you, but you got the win, you got the win. And Bunny basically challenged her to an eliminator match next week on Dynamite. And Hater says, I love a challenge and I'll see you next week. Uh, so I guess that's it. Simple setup title match for those two next week. Yeah, it'll be all right, I guess. <laughs> now, when they say an eliminator match, does that mean it's the deal where Bunny has to beat her and then she gets a title shot? Is that what they mean? Yeah, we, we've talked about this before in the past because this is one of our pet peeves. It's like if you get a shot at the championship or at the at the at the like, you know, like Bunny's got a shot at Hater. Just give her a title match. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, but I can. But by the same token, though. Is it worthy to just say, okay, Bunny, here's a title match right now? No, like, no. I like, don't know. See, I don't that, know. She's it, not a prominent I, figure, so I kind of like the idea that I, she has to do something to get it. I think. I think what our issue is is that if you're gonna if you're gonna be in a like a a match for the championship, like go like ha, beat another contender. Yeah. And then yeah. go after Hater. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like like here like again, I'll use UFC as an example. Okay. Um, I'm 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 the Walter Wade champion. Okay, I'm George St. Pierre. All right. Nick Diaz doesn't get a shot at George St. Pierre. And then if he beats him, he gets another shot at George St. Yeah, Pierre. Exactly. Nick Diaz fights, you know, uh, he, he fights Condit, Carlos Condit. And then if whoever wins that gets the fight with right. George St. Pierre. Right. So with Bunny, like have her fight. I don't I don't know whoever Layla Gray, whatever, whatever, whoever you want to use. And the winner of that match gets a shot at the title. Right. 
Okay, now as this segment is ending, uh, Renee says, oh, something's happening, something's happening. And there's a screen behind them, and the screen fills up, and all of a sudden it's Saray and Tony Storm beating up Britt Baker. So, of of course, Hater freaks out, and she runs out to help her. And we'll see more about this later on. I like that, though. Yeah. I like that little tease a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though the jerk face isn't dead to me. But uh, <laughs> uh, OK, so next up, the acclaimed, the acclaimed versus I'm going to use the name that the acclaimed gave them, the bootleg Beverly. Brothers. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And certainly, I don't know. I, I'd be curious how many younger fans even remember the Beverly Brothers, because that's from that really awful period in that mid 90s there when WWE was just in a, a terrible mess. The Beverly Brothers was a horrible kind of uh, tag team. See, and, and, and again, coming back to what I said about uh, Lanny Poffo, right, coming from his like, like the like the uh, territory days to more gimmicky characters of WWF at the time. Same with the Beverly Brothers, because I remember when they were in the AWA as the uh, like they were kind of like the new Minnesota wrecking crew. Right. Yes. And, yes. you know, Wayne, Wayne Bloom and Mike Enos. And then all of a yes. sudden they're like Bo and Blake Beverly. I'm like, no, yes. that's that's Mike Enos and Wayne yeah. Bloom, right? I didn't yeah. know. I'm, I was a kid. Like, yeah, that, I, yeah, I never I, I hated them as the Beverly Brothers. I always thought that was a terrible gimmick. Um, did you actually they said the name once? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, were. I, I think I got it, but it was like Turner Fly or Fry and Truth Magnum. Well, obviously it doesn't matter. They said their names once. <laughs> like I thought, I thought at least um, Justin Roberts would introduce them. You know what? They that... didn't. They didn't even get a graphic, man. No, exactly. <laughs> there nothing. was no graphic. <laughs> so yeah, if it, nothing screams squash match. And they had, but for those of you that don't know, they did kind of look like the Beverly Brothers, they, although they much did, smaller, yeah. much smaller. But. But the the thing when they when they did their scissors that was hilarious man. Yeah, yes, yeah. Oh, uh, so I mean the acclaim they're still over pretty strong. Caster comes out, he's rapping. He says we're not gonna fight the boot. He says no, we're gonna fight the bootleg Beverly Brothers. Uh, it's not the '80s. Acclaimed make you say I quit like you're Tom Brady. Uh. And crowd <laughs> crowd is doing the scissor chant before the match even starts. Um, uh, like Joe said, the jobbers made fun of the scissor gimmick, so the acclaim just dived on them and attacked them. Um, Bowens did the shiver me timbers on one of them, and then they scissored with gun again in the middle of the match. They're even scissoring now, and then they got the mic drop, and Caster covers one of them. I'll say bow, and they win the match. <laughs> so the acclaimed win the squash match. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, so this was all just, uh, you know, usually when there's a squash like this, that it's they want to set up something else. So, of course, the uh, the ass boys or the guns, as they are now called, or we have to call them, I guess, they come out. They're getting booed. At the, they're, they're getting booed by the crowd, but it's great. They're walking down with their fingers in their ears like, nah, we're not listening to that. Um, Colt said they were there to talk about something serious. He said they wanted a shot at the belts and they wanted the answer right now. Bowen said, you are interrupting the most popular team in wrestling and the most winningest team ever in AEW. Is winningest an actual word? I've heard somebody use it, although I, that doesn't answer the question if it's an actual word. Winningest. I don't know. I don't think that's I a think, word. 
But that's the thing. I think it is because I've heard it used in really um, in like other sports, right? Like the winningest team in, in you know and NFL history or something like that. Again, I I don't know if that answers the question, but I have used it. I have heard it used before. Okay. Uh, he said, we're the forever champs. Uh, Bowen said, we are the people's choice and the people's voice. So let's ask the people. So he said to the crowd, you know, do the guns deserve a title shot? And of course the crowd's like, no, no, no. And, and Bowen's is like, well, the people have spoken. No. So they all start to argue and they're yelling at each other. But then Mr. Gun, Mr. Ass Daddy breaks it up. And he said, look, I'm sick of this. And he said he was done with it. And he goes, I'm too old for this. And he left both teams in the ring. So this was almost like he was like, you know what? I've had enough. You guys figure it out. And Austin's like, oh, yeah, do what you always do. Turn your back on us. But, you know, Billy Gunn, he stopped there for a second. He thought about going back, but he didn't. He kept walking. And Austin said, why don't you drown your sorrows like you used to do in the bottom of a pill bottle? So, of course, that brings Mr. Ass Daddy back. Uh, he said, oh, so you two have put on your big boy pants, have you? Um, he, was, he told them they'd made the biggest mistake of their lives. And then he had troubles with his microphone, unfortunately. Um, he got another mic. He says, do you think you have what I had? He goes, we'll see next week. He goes, all right, there you go. Title shot for you guys. And he left. And the acclaimed looked puzzled at the end of this and the guns just kind of left so i guess it is finally the guns versus the acclaimed for the belts yeah i'm i'm not i again i'm i'm okay with the match like it makes sense with the with the story that they're they're using but i just i'm not sure if i like the story because like like even billy gunn right He's celebrating, he's having fun, all that stuff, and then suddenly he's like, "You guys settle this in the ring." It's like that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and I, th- I think the other part of it is, like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, again, I'm, it's weird. I'm looking forward to the match. I'm just not sure if I've been feeling the build. That's all. Well, if you think back to the therapy thing, though, he was already like that. Like, he's been like that for a little while, where he's kind of been like. All right, I've had enough of both of you guys, right? Like, he kind of showed that in the therapy session. I don't think that's that much of a stretch there. No, like, like again, it, it, I'm, I, I get, let's say I'm lukewarm on the build, but I'm actually really the looking match forward be to the good. match. Because, yeah. like, the one thing I will say is that, to me, the guns, like, uh, okay, I'll speak for me, but, like, you know, before when they came out, we kind of thought they were a joke. You know, we weren't really taking them seriously, the, the whole ass boy thing. I think they've done a pretty good job of getting out of that sort of that like that right. perception right. and yes. getting into a more like th- th- they're dick heels. Right? right. But 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 I think they've done a really good job doing that. So kudos to those guys. Um, and yeah, like, again, I'm looking forward to this match. I think it'll be pretty good. And I'm really what I'm curious about is does Billy Gunn turn or does he stay See? with? Oh, you client? read my mind. That was the question I was going to ask you, because exactly. Does does this be revealed that it was a, a ploy by these guys all the time just to mess with the acclaim? Yeah, it does. I I thought the same thing. I'm like, is he turning back? Yeah. And and you know what? Here's the part that I really like about it. I don't know. 
Like no, it's no, not exactly. it's not no. obvious. So no, I'm very there's not intrigued. enough there to make a concrete decision yeah. either way. But there's also enough there that you can think it might happen. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know what? These are the best kind of wrestling stories when you know something's well. No, we don't know something's gonna happen, but we think something's gonna happen, That's and right. we want it. We want to see what we want to see it through. You know what I mean? Okay, after this, we go backstage. Alex Marvez gets to pop in for his appearance once Woo-hoo! a week, it seems. Um, he's with Jungle Boy, although they called him Jack Perry, right? They didn't call him Jungle Boy, did they? No, nope, they, 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 they well, just said Jack Perry, didn't they? It, it was weird because Alex said he, he was with Jack Perry, or they said he was with Jack Perry, but then Alex was Alex like, what's next? What's next Jungle for Boy? Jungle Hook? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, right, Jungle Hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he said, yeah, basically he said that Hook and him were 2-0 and in tag matches. And he said, you know, kind of what's next? And Jungle Boy said, well, you know, he, I had a great time teaming with Hook. And he had my back when no one else would. He goes, but I've done the tag team thing before. I made it to the top of the mountain and I fell all the way down. He goes, but that's not what it's about for me this time or this year. He goes, this year I will be a champion again, but this time all by myself. So yes, I was very happy to hear this because this is here. We talked we talked about this constantly. Yep. How Jungle Boy, after what happened with Luchasaurus and Christian, should not have been instantly thrown back into a tag. So it looks like they've realized that and he's gonna go off on his own. So uh what do you think here? Who who would you put in this first program with Jungle Boy now finally on his own kind of thing? That's a tough one, man. It um, is. It is. Like, like I would be a good heel to work with him. Unfortunately, he's already beaten him. Ethan Page would have been great. Right. <laughs> like, um, like, I and I think like it's too early for a guy like Roosh, for example. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's something down. I, ooh, that again, good question. I don't know. Um, e- again, Ethan Page would have been my first choice if we hadn't already seen that match. Yeah. Um. They've got to but pick I, someone that's got to be, it's got to be captivating, right? Like it's Yeah, gotta, yeah, like I, I, off the top of my head, like, you know, like Matt Hardy maybe as a good sort of starting point. It's a veteran, you know, somebody has got a little bit of history with Matt seems to be embracing a bit more of his heel side yeah, <laughs> than yeah. before. Um, I just like the fact that, number one, he's going for a, like a singles run because you and I have talked about that forever, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But number two, you know what? It's kind of cool because all of their pillars now are in prominent programs, if you think about it. Mm. Like MJF is the, the champ, right? Darby is, you know, he's he's always high on the card and he's in the main event for this card, right? Brit is Brit. She's always going to be around. Ricky Starks is now starting to, to start his ascension. Um, and then, like, hopefully this is the start of the Jungle Boy ascension. So you got all these young talent that they're finally, at least it feels like they're finally pushing. And I like it. I like it a lot. So um, looking forward to see what the, the, this is all going to look like. Okay, so next up, very interesting match here. Yes. A couple, couple of big guys here getting to go at it. This was Takeshita against Brian Cage. And, uh, yeah, Takeshita, it's good. He's got, he's definitely had a bit of a... Um, a, a program lately uh the connection with brian danielson they're, they're they're playing that up quite a bit so yeah this was yeah this was crazy this was this had some pretty intense stuff on in it 
Um, Takeshita gets the advantage first. He does this kind of like flying body splash off the top onto Cage on the outside. But then Cage catches him and power bombs him kind of on like the ring post, kind of yep. picks him up and power bombs him on the ring post. Um, uh, but yeah, these two guys, a lot of clubbering. They held each other by the wrist at one point. Like they, they both had a grip on the other's wrist and they're giving each other heavy duty forearms. Takeshita likes to do a lot of that kind of the upper forearm kind of thing there. Uh, he got a blue thunder bomb for a near fall. Uh, Cage suplexed Takeshita uh, back into the ring. This was amazing. Takeshita was standing on the apron. And Cage just flipped him back over into the ring with a suplex. Oh, by, uh, by the way, that's where they went into the pick and pick. Just see was it? Okay. Yeah. All right. In the commentary, uh, Prince Nanya, who's managing Brian Cage, Taz said he trusted Prince Nanya because he liked his headdress. <laughs> Taz had some pretty good heel stuff in this show, I have to say. I love uh, Taz, man. He's so good. <laughs> he's, yeah, well, well, when he can now just be his character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cage did a 619, which was really, it looked awkward to me. It looked weird to see a guy his size doing the 619. Perhaps he wasn't quite as fluid as Ray, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe a little less fluid, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cage did a German that dropped Takeshita on his shoulder for a near fall. Cage went for the buckle bomb, but Takeshita reversed it. He takes over for a bit here now. Takeshita did a German suplex with this amazing bridge. Like, he was right up on the tippy toes. Uh, you got a near fall for that. Takeshita also got a Liger bomb for a near fall. Uh, Cage got the backdrop driver and a lariat for a near fall. So lots of back and forth with the guys kicking out from each other's moves. Takeshita got two brain busters in a row, but Cage still kicked out. Cage did sort of like an F5 kind of thing. And then Kinda, Cage yeah. put um, Takeshita on top of the post. But then Takeshita turned it into the avalanche brain buster. And then Takeshita got the flying knee and he pinned Cage. Um, I thought it was, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was great for Takeshita. I also thought it was good for Cage because you don't get to really see him in this kind of match very often. Uh, these, these two had better chemistry than I thought they were going to have. Yeah. Like, they were really good. Of, yeah, I think a lot of people probably thought, oh, Brian Cage, is that going to work? But I agree. I thought the match actually worked pretty good. I thought. Yeah, I I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this match. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I haven't really hidden the fact that I'm a pretty big Takeshita fan. And <laughs> I thought that was – I thought he did really well. And you know what? Like, standing by uh, Brian Cage, man, I, I – I didn't realize how big Takeshita was. That's <laughs> it. That's you know it. I mean? Exactly. He's as tall as Cage. Easy. If not, he might even be a little bit taller. And 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 like he, not, while he may not be as wide, he's still pretty big. No. Right? Oh no, he's a big guy. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I I I was thinking the same thing, right? I'm thinking the exact same thing. So yeah, and I'm curious. I'm actually curious after this match to see what happens with either guy, not just Takeshita, but yeah. with Brian Cage as well. It was a good showing by Brian Cage, by the way. Like, I will not discount what he did in that match. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we go backstage after this, and Renee is with the Jericho Appreciation Society. They're all there except the man in the purple hat. Jake Hager was not there. Um, she was talking about Ricky Starks and how the, you know, the JAS, they beat him, but they cheated to do it. 
and uh, and Jericho just looks at Renee and says, Renee, what? This is the first time we worked together in five years and you accuse me of cheating. He says, Ricky Starks, you didn't lose to a baseball bat. He goes, did you see a bat? And they're all like, nah, nah, we didn't see a bat, no. And he says, no, you lost to us, and now you still want another match with Chris Jericho. And Jericho said, well, I got an idea. And Sammy pipes up and says, he and Garcia put their heads together, and they have a great idea. The Garcia Guerrera gauntlet. Renee asked, what? And Renee's like, what is that? And Garcia explained it. Starks, first you have to go through Angelo Parker. And if that happens, if you do actually beat him, you have to fight Daddy Magic. And if you beat him, you have to go up against Sammy Guevara or me. We'll let you know the night of. And if you make it past all of us, you get your hands on Jericho. Jericho said, Ricky, you don't call the shots around here. We do. So if you can get through the gauntlet, I'm ready to whip your ass. So it looks like, yeah, some sort of gauntlet thing here with Starks and the J.A.S. Yeah, yeah. I I wasn't I didn't really feel this promo. I, I was it was OK. <laughs> like that was it the promo or is it what they're actually doing? In the I think I, it, it's both. It's it's like. Again, this is now starting to get into MJF territory where it's like, okay, we've seen this done. Yeah, I I, I can't fault you on that point. Absolutely. It is a little too similar to what's going on. Now, is this just one guy? This is just one match that will happen in one night, though, right? I I assume so. But I think the other thing that's kind of starting to tick me off is I was willing to give this Garcia thing a chance. But now it's just becoming comedy. Um, (laughs) And and I'm not. Well, it's weird. Well, it's weird because. Sammy certainly seems to be somewhat comedic, but I don't get that from Garcia because when they, you know, when Sammy said, oh, we put our heads together on this and he kind of grabbed Garcia by the head and put it yeah, up against his Garcia gave him that look of like, what are you doing? Like, leave me alone. What are you doing? Like, so, maybe they're not executing well then, because honestly, I just thought this was silly. That was my problem. Well, I yeah. It is it is a bit of a weird one just because I agree it's somewhat repetitive. It's not exactly like the MJF thing. No, no, this but is it's going to happen all at once. Yeah, but it's still that kind of like. Yeah, so yeah, like, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with maybe that match is so good. And, and again, this is a big match for Starks if he does make it through all. Yeah. This, oh, yeah, right? yeah. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm I'm looking f- like, again, kind of like what I said about the acclaimed versus uh, the guns. I'm looking forward to the match. I just wasn't feeling this particular promo. Okay. Uh, we went to break after this. We come back. It's a taped piece with the Bucks. Uh, Kenny, Don Callis, Nakazawa is there as well. And Cutler apparently is the one filming it. They're on a basketball court in a big gymnasium. Matt says, we are the first time two-time trios champions. Kenny says, all right, top flight. I saw what you did in that ladder match after our best of seven. He goes, you got one up on our boys because they beat they beat the Bucks in that match. He said, how about next week you bring your friend A.R. Fox and we'll put these belts on the line and you guys can shoot your shot. He says, but if you shoot that shot, you better not miss because the elite never miss. And he goes, Nick, if you will. And Kenny was holding a basketball during this part of the promo. So he throws it over to Nick. And Nick is just one of those amazing 
guys with the basketball and get the shots from like across the room. You, you did notice though the way that Kenny says, "If you will," he actually said it like Dusty. Right? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. He goes, "If yeah. you will." You I think know. I think that was a, I think that was a shout out to Cody, right? Because like Cody did kind of the same thing. I don't know if you saw it on the Rumble, but he uh, he did the uh, Young Bucks sort of gesture when he won the Rumble. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay. like they're kind of you know like everyone's just kind of like you know kudos to Alia. So. So, yeah, so he throws the ball to Nick, and Nick totally, no problem, sinks a basket on the other side of the gym. Amazing that was a nice shot, shot man. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing shot. Um, so Stokely at this point, Stokely and Matt Hardy and Ethan Page and Isaiah there come in. Um, Stokely side, said, you guys are doing nothing this week? And Ethan said, our boys don't have that luxury. We make them work every week. He said, how about the three of you against the three of us on Rampage this week? And Don Callis finally speaks up and says, hey, if you get the one-winged angel on Matt Hardy, you can sell that footage for a lot of money. What do you say? You can get an NTF or something? Yeah, NFT. Like I, NFT. Yeah, that's a uh, – anyways, when he said that, I was just like, oh, really? Yeah, like, exactly. I was kind of like, all right, whatever. And then Matt Hardy said, well, yeah, I could good, I could sell footage of me giving you a twist of fate. Kenny steps in and says, if you want the match, you got it. Us against whatever you call yourself. Uh, Isaiah steps up. He says to Kennedy, are you boys ready? Because we definitely are. And then he licks Kenny's ear. That's <laughs> gross. That's just gross. And that grosses all of them out. It grossed me out as well. <laughs> Uh, they 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 have to end it, of course, by insulting Brandon Cutler. Of course, they, that's what they do. So that's how it ends. So yeah, there you go. So uh, yeah, on Rampage, it's the three of them against the Elite, and then I guess um, I I feel bad for Boris because he's got to note out that match. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot of stuff going on in that one for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. Okay, so up next. Uh, Killer match up next here with Brian Danielson against Timothy Thatcher. Crazy match. <laughs> yeah, this was really good. This yeah. was really good, hard-hitting, old-school style wrestling. Big time. Uh, I really enjoyed how Tony Schiavone, to give us, because, I mean, a lot of the AEW fan base, you might not be familiar with who Timothy Thatcher is, but I love that Tony Schiavone talked about how Timothy Thatcher loves Johnny Valentine. Yes. And that way, it gets some history in there. And certainly for guys like me and Joe, as soon as he says Johnny Valentine, we know exactly who he's talking about. I, I went right back to Johnny Valentine versus like Wahoo McDaniels and those chop fests that those guys used yeah, to and, have. And the, uh, and that kind of upper, that, you know, the uppercut, the European uppercut. Yeah, yeah, Johnny yeah. Valentine used to do that all the time too. Yeah. Right. So Tony did a really good job of talking how Thatcher actually is a fan of Johnny Valentine. And enjoys what he does and was heavily influenced by him in his style, which you could see in the match, too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Lots of grappling off the top. Brian's got his shoulder all taped up with that, whatever the latest Kinesio. The Kinesio tape, tape yeah. And you know what? I, I like right at the beginning the fact that Thatcher went for the, yes, for the arm right bar away. right away. Yeah, know? right away. He's Exactly. He's working the shoulder, messing with that arm. Um, he's doing the uppercut forearms. He's doing the double wrist lock with Thatcher trying to control Brian. A lot of that old oh, I, stuff with the wrist locks and that, you know. And and that, and that was the thing. Like, that's what I like about Thatcher is that he's got, like, that sort of old – like, that old school 
you know, European catch style uh, yeah. of wrestling. You know, the again, the double wrist locks and like the, the arm bars and retching the fingers and yeah. stuff. Just really yeah. love that. Yeah. So Brian tries to work uh, his knee. That's kind of his approach in the match here. Uh, Brian did the bow and arrow stretch, uh, but Thatcher, like as Joe just said, went after the fingers, basically stopping him from uh, executing the move. Brian's in there, of course, with the chops, the kicks. He does a flying drop kick in the corner. Uh, Thatcher constantly working the shoulder. Brian makes the ropes. Uh, Thatcher continues to work that left arm and shoulder. By the way, we're in the pick and pick now. Are we? Okay. Uh, I'm so glad I didn't have to note anything. Brian tried some headbutts, but Thatcher came back with some shots to the gut. Uh, they exchanged some more of those heavy uppercut forearms, and Brian laid in some kicks to the chest. He also got a real heavy kick to the head uh, for a near fall. Uh, now, we had a little bit of a ref bump in this here. Brian was behind Thatcher, and he accidentally pushed Brian backwards into the ref in the corner. The ref went down. This allowed MJF to run out, showing off the dynamite diamond ring and acting like he's going to use it. But then Takeshita, and he's wearing an all-black tracksuit, so you couldn't really tell it was him. Takeshita just comes running out of nowhere, and so he runs off MJF. So it's this premise that Takeshita is kind of watching Brian and uh, stopping MJF from pulling any silliness. Um, back in the match, Thatcher gets the Fujiwara armbar, really cranks on it, but Brian eventually twists around, gets his foot on the bottom rope. And, but eventually they get back, they're on their feet, and Brian gets that crazy flying knee and knocked him down and got the pin and got the win. Um, so they cut quickly, just before we talk about this, they cut quickly to backstage. MJF and Takeshita are brawling in the back. Uh, MJF's beating them up. Uh, they are finally separated. Renee comes in to interview them, and she says Tony Khan has made Eliminator match next week with Takeshita versus MJF. Of course, MJF just totally freaked out on that. So again, I guess uh, this Eliminator match, I guess the idea of Takeshita can beat him, he gets a title shot, and if not, he doesn't. So we actually actually seeing MJF wrestle with Takeshita next week. See- See, and, and, and again, I like I'm not that I'm not looking forward to a Takeshita MJF match, but OK, let's go back to what we said about the Eliminator match before. <clears throat> like, I would rather see Takeshita fight, say, you know, Wheeler Yuta, let's say, just, just to throw a name out there. And then if he wins, he gets a later shot at MJF because let's be real. Um, I know it'll be a good match. But I don't expect Takeshita to beat MJF in an Eliminator match any more than I expect the Bunny to beat Jamie Hayter in an Eliminator match, right? So or the uh, the uh, Beverly Brothers there to beat the acclaim. <laughs> exactly. So like, and again, I'm, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not shitting on it totally because I am looking forward to seeing Takeshita versus MJF. I think like this could be a good story, like the start of. You know, remember back in 2023 when he first fought MJF and, you know, three years later, he's now the number one contender and he's going back for a second shot. Like th- th- this could be potentially good long term storytelling, like the start of it. But 
you know, like it's just that I, I would again, I would rather see Takesh to fight somebody else for a shot at MJF versus having to beat the champ to get the shot. Right. There's a funny bit at the end of this with Taz and Tony on the commentary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And Taz was like really mad. Taz was like, oh, this is not right, man. You shouldn't treat the champion like this. And Tony's like, too bad. And Taz, <laughs> Taz goes, you're a kiss ass. And I don't know why, but when Taz called him the kiss ass, it made me laugh out loud. I just I just thought the way that Taz, Taz said it was such indignation. No, it was, it's good. I love that. Like, it, like and that's the thing. Like, that, they're they're, They're really uh, developing the Taz Tony Giovanni. Yeah, thing. I love it, man. And then like you know, an Excalibur kind of plays the the like the, the, the straight guy, right? So yeah, for sure. But and, yeah, when, um, when Taz said, eh, "You're a kiss ass," <laughs> it was good. It was good. And and like like even the match itself, like I mean, these are, I love these oh, kind of matches. Right? Match like, was these, amazing. Like, yeah, like and again, no crazy high spots. I mean, what, no, what was the high spot? Like, no. I think they did a suplex off the top rope. Like, and it wasn't even off the top rope. It was it's just like all about intensity of yeah. those kicks and, and the forearms. And that's again, that's stuff people can easily identify with. You can oh yeah, know what yeah. a kick to the chest feels like. You yeah. know, and 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 Danielson's selling on in that match was amazing. Right. So. Yes. Yes. Now, up next, something which I didn't really think was amazing at all. <laughs> and something that I'm not really, you know, Joe, you talk about not buying into things. I am so not interested in this. We had Swerve and his mogul affiliates here, a little promo. Swerve says it's been quiet for them this last week since getting rid of the dead weight. Talking about Keith Lee. He went off about Dustin Rhodes saying seeing him out there in front of the camera in front of the lights with my interviewer he goes the Rhodes family legacy really gets under my skin he goes but since Dusty's not here and Dustin's not here he goes let's find some other second generation nepotism punk boy to get rid of on rampage and he goes I'm talking about you Brian Pillman Jr and he asked the affiliates if that was cool and they agreed and then he said Hoodies up. I guess that's their cool catchphrase. Um, yeah, I don't know. This did nothing for me. It was, this was so out of the blue. And I'm not a big fan. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of Swerve to begin with. And I, yeah, I have no, I'm, you know, the match means nothing. The angle comes out of nowhere. Like, what's he talking about? Like, Dustin Rhodes. And now it's, I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of like, blah. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It just, like I mean, I I don't. Here's my thing. I don't mind Swerve, but when he joined this mogul affiliate, I was like, mm. it's so <laughs> like, lame. Yeah, that it's like this is lame. you know, and and like again, I I'll give it a chance, but I you know, and, and I mean, I've been pretty high on Swerve. You you know that. Like I've I've always thought he's a good heel, but man, this was lame. Did nothing for me, except happy that they went to break. Well, and, and uh, then not not only that, but and and I mean this with much love and respect. But really, Brian Pillman? Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. You know I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so they go to break. They come back. We got some promo here. They mention that it will be Roosh that takes on Brian Danielson next week on Dynamite, as uh, Brian gets closer to fighting MJF for the title. They little little promo promo with Roosh here. He's asked how he feels about taking on Brian next week. Um, 
He, he, any, uh, classic AEW here. He goes to start. He doesn't even get one word out. And there's a knock at the door. Uh, MJF comes in. He's all cheery. He greets them all. Uh, Roosh definitely not impressed. He gets in his face. Uh, MJ says, hey, you know, I value my personal space. So he kind of steps back a bit. Uh, he said his Spanish was mid, but he knew the universal language. He opens up the briefcase. It's totally filled with money. Uh, he goes, this first one is free of charge. He goes, but I have five more filled to the brim with dinero. He's got five briefcases just sitting around filled with money. He says, all I need is for you to beat Brian Danielson next week by any means necessary. He goes, I want you to rip his arm off and beat him over the head with it. He goes, think you can do that? And Jose translated all this thing. And Roosh did a, a, you know, not a lengthy, but a, you know, a few sentences in Spanish. And uh, MJF's like, what do you say, Jose? What do you say? And Jose goes, you have a deal. And MJF goes, <laughs> is that right? He goes, that sounded like a lot more than we have a deal. He said, Roosh, you don't have to like me. All you have to do is get the job done. And he left. So, yes. The next one, MJF, again, five briefcases of money, Joe, if he can take him out. It's a lot of money. It is. I mean, Harley Race only had one briefcase. Ah, did he even have a briefcase? Didn't he have an envelope with some cash in it? No, I think he had a briefcase at one point. Uh, I vaguely remember that. You know what? Uh, I Honestly, I didn't mind this too much because like, like it. It, was, it was short. And I did like the line of rip off his arm and beat him over the head with it. And I do like the fact that Roosh and MJF, like, you know, they weren't glad handing. They were like, what no. are you doing in my dressing room? Get out of here, right? Yeah, you don't have to. That's the, that's yeah. what I like about this dynamic. And to this, this adds to what I've been saying all along is that, and plus the fact that he's given him money, you got to have him hiring guys independent to come in and do this. Right. You know, you, you have to pick them. You can't just throw guys out there. So I like I liked the way that this went down. And it's, it's the idea that, yeah, He's paying out big money to get this guy taken out, and nobody oh. seems to be able to do it. And you know what? Next Dynamite is February 8th. So if Danielson wins this match, he gets the title shot. Yeah. yeah. So I forgot about that. <laughs> That's it. It's got to culminate, right? Yep, exactly. So, and, you know, Roosh and Brian Danielson? They're going to have yeah. a sick match, man. Yep, <laughs> it's going to be a great. Yep, I'm sure it will be, right? So... So, yeah, I, I, I dug that. And again, you know, people say, well, but, you know, he's going to get through every single guy. It doesn't matter, it, man. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, you know, unfortunately, with kayfabe gone, you're never going to get the true genuine reaction these stories could create if you just, you know, bought into it. Imagine if it was still in that time and you, you know, buying into this, you just think, oh, I'm Jeff, this prick. Yeah, He's yeah. throwing these guys at him. Why well, you just won't give him a shot? Like, what the, you know, what the hell? You know, it's just, that takes, that takes, see, back then it wouldn't seem predictable because you have that believability. But when you don't have that believability, then you just, it just seems like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. Brian's going to beat them all and win. Yeah, but, but you know what? Okay. Like, I, again, we'll use the, we'll use movies, okay? Did anyone expect the Avengers to lose the Infinity War? Anybody at all? 
No, but you still wanted to see how they got there, right? It's the same with this. Like, yeah, okay, there's a very good chance that Danielson is going to get through this challenge. Hey, man, that match against Thatcher was pretty damn good. And I'm I'm looking forward to Roosh versus Danielson. So, yeah, like, I think I think sometimes, um, and I said this on, on um, the show with Mike, actually, uh, you know, as wrestling fans, sometimes, you know what, be a little less wrestling, be a bit more fan, because like, it's it's going to be yeah. fun, man. This yeah. is going to be a exactly. great match. Oh, no, right? absolutely. Yeah. So no, I, yeah. have, I have no problem with it for sure. I, yeah, I yeah, for it. sure. I love yeah. it, you know. <laughs> now, speaking of things that you might have a problem oh, with. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I was. I've been waiting to get to this. This match. was so brutal, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I know I sound like a broken record about this, but I just don't see. I don't see the improvement. Uh, she's got a great look, yeah, but I don't think she should be featured this prominent. And of course, this one was even rubbing my face in it even more. Pushing <laughs> the fiftieth victory, fiftieth victory, right? She's fifty and oh, so I'm just like. They're pushing that heavy. I'm just like, there's people with signs in the crowd. I'm like. Well, here here was the other problem, too. You know how we talked about how Mox's dad came to the to the thing? Yeah, yeah. So after this match, her kid was there. I'm like, yeah, she's not losing with her kid in the audience. You know well, what I mean? Like, yeah, and not to mention, to me, I'm like, what? What's the heel doing with her baby at Ringstop? <laughs> what are you doing? The heel doesn't go kiss her baby afterwards. The heel. Uh, it's just like, like, come on. So anyways, yeah, horrible. Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet. Um, I felt bad for Red. I thought she tried really hard. Yeah, it's, it is. It's more that um, Jade just still doesn't have the fluid fluidity that you need to be a kind of a professional wrestling. Everything's still jerky and stop and start. And it doesn't have the fluidity that it needs. Right. And, and when, when I see that, it just, you know, it just jumps right out of you. So they get into it. Red attacks her right away. Layla gray is also out there with Jade. Um, they fought on the outside. Velvet gave her some chops. Um, you know, Jade, like even when Jade did like the kind of jumping elbow smash, like m- almost a Muda kind of thing. I'm like, nah, it does not look good. Um, this one. Yeah, I know, this one. I remember that they did pick and pick because I remember thinking, why is this match going past one segment? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have a note here. About- <laughs> oh, man, you're killing me here. Um. Jade had words with the referee, which allowed Layla Gray to lay a shot in on Red. Um, Red did a dive. Jade caught her, kind of smashed her off the post. And then she did press slam her and throw her in the ring, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, which, I mean, that did look impressive. But it's not like one move does not a match make. Uh, So she threw uh, Red over the top rope. Uh, tried to pin her, but uh, Red kicked out. And this was in the pick and pick, too. Yeah. The press, that whole thing was in the pick and pick. There was a this is awesome chant. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's like a few sarcastic guys in the crowd going, yeah, let's chant. This is awesome. Uh, Jade did some bad Scott Steiner style push-ups. Uh, she did her pump kick, which looks like shit. For a near fall, um, 
Kira Hogan comes out. She takes out Layla Gray on the outside, but she quickly gets sent to the back by the referee, which, of course, during that distraction, Red gets a kick. She gets the visionary pinfall on um, Jade, but, of course, Jade kicks out by the time the referee gets there. Uh, Red got the submission on the arm, but Jade actually powered up, got back to her feet. Red got out of it, tried for a sunset flip, but Jade managed to pick her up the other way, give her the jaded, and got the pin. So, yeah, she's 50-0. and 0. And then, yeah, the Jay, she grabs her daughter, which totally ruins the bitch aspect of it. I'm like, what? You're like an instant baby face going to get your baby out of the crowd. So, yeah, definitely not on the Jade Cargill bandwagon and don't think I ever will be. And I've said it all before, so I won't say it again. Okay, so I'll admit I probably like this match much more than you did. (laughs) Because I didn't mind it. I probably every single AEW fan liked the match but more than I did. I, I didn't mind it but more because I, I just really liked Red Velvet. I thought she wrestled a pretty good match given, you know, some of the limitations that Jade Cargill has. But here's my biggest issue with the match, okay? That, that ending sequence. I don't mind that Jade wins. Doesn't doesn't bug me okay because you know like like all joking aside and i know you know we're not the biggest jade fans but all joking aside you figured she'd have to get the 50 and 0 okay what ticked me off was kira hogan comes out and interferes fine right so i think paul turner came down the ramp and was taking out kira hogan meanwhile aubrey edwards is staring and like sort of directing traffic and i'm like dude there's a ref there already pay attention to the match because to me that made ref aubrey look like an idiot (laughs) you know what i mean like and look i get it it's wrestling it's wrestling logic but man i just i hate when i see that because it's like come on you know like that's really bugged there's there's many distraction t- style tactics that they use that are not believable in the slightest. That right? was one That's of them. That's one of them. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of them right there. So. You know, my favorites friggin' play the guys. Play the music. Yeah, yeah. It's like, give me a break. Like, so anyways, yeah, not uh, Jade. It is what it is. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. So uh, next up, we've got Renee. She's chatting with Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, I guess, and Jamie Hayter is there as well. Uh, Renee says, how are you feeling, Britt, uh, after the attack? Britt says, it's fine, and I'm fine, and if that's how they want to play it, that's fine too. She says, but just remember, we can. And then, of course, in true AEW style, she's interrupted. (laughs) Ruby Soho comes wailing in and says, can I have a minute of your time? Uh, Ruby said she heard what happened and asked. she was asking Britt if she was okay. And she's like, Britt's like, hey, what do you mean, am I okay? She goes, those were your girls. And Ruby says, hey, I had nothing to do with it, and I don't know what you're talking about. And Britt says, you've known them a lot longer than you've known us, so I find it weird that you just now show up. She goes, but I'm good. And then Jamie has, she's, says, she's great, actually. And Ruby leaves. So, yeah, not sure. What's going on there? Oh, I'm interested in this. Cause yeah. Because, like, again, like the way that they're doing this is 
you, you've got like because I think even during the beatdown, um, Soraya mentioned like you know homegrown talent, right? So right. I think we're gonna see like the AEW homegrowns versus the you know NWO of the women's division. I don't know whatever they're gonna call themselves, right? Right. But, right. but you but again you do have like Ruby Soho who is a babyface. Does she turn? You know, like right. does she join Team WWE, whatever they're gonna call themselves? Um, I'm actually really excited about this. I think this is gonna be fun. <laughs> like, all right, we shall see. Uh, Rampage. Spe- speaking of fun, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Rampage rundown was next. Uh, so we have the Elite versus Ethan Page, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Kennedy. Yep. We have Swerve against Brian Pillman Jr. Wait, mid. Okay. <laughs> yes. Soraya, sorry, hoodies up. Soraya and Storm <laughs> in a tag match, and which would mean jobber match, I'm guessing. Maybe they'll get to beat the bogus Beverly Brothers. Oh, perhaps. And Roosh versus Christopher Daniels. Like, I don't that, know that. Where did that I come wanna, from? That I, I know. I want absolutely. It's just a highlight match for Roosh, right? I but, know, but it's just, it's just so random. It's like, what? I, I kind of, I, I, you're right. You're totally right. It'll be good. Same, It'll be good. But at the same time, if you're going to be random, Chris Daniels is a good <laughs> way to go friggin' random. Like, yeah, but I, it'll be good. But it, like, just when they announced it, I was like, mm, all right. Dynamite next week, Roosh versus Brian Danielson. Yeah. Defend against the guns. MJF versus Takeshita. The Garcia Guevara gauntlet match for Ricky Starks. And Jamie Hayter versus the Bunny, and if the Bunny wins, she gets the title shot. So pretty packed show already. That's I would say that's most of the show right there. I don't Dude, think like that sounds like it's going to be a heavy match show. Yeah, well, the, well, that's it. We've got like five matches already. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so yep. this be good. Be good. Okay, time for the main event here once again. The show moving quite quickly. Oof. Uh, no holds barred for the TNT title. Darby Allen giving Samoa Joe a rematch. Darby comes down wearing a hoodie in which he's, I don't know if they were sewn in there or just stuck in there, but he's got a, a hoodie full of tacks, all with the points sticking out. So we figure it's going to show up sometime in the match. And, and this one just nuts. He just instantly runs at Joe, attacks him, bell rings. Um, Joe grabs his own towel. This was kind of funny because Joe always comes out with the towel. He had it on the post there. He actually grabbed the towel and wrapped it around his arm and gave Darby the clothesline while he had the thumbtack jacket on. So I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, so, that's yeah, that allows Joe to take over. He's stomping him in the corner. Um, he's throwing him around. Yeah, they're on the outside. Joe pulls a table out from under the ring. And uh, while he, he and he had it up. He had it up that he was like standing it up, kind of putting it on the barrier from the crowd. Darby just dives at him, knocks Joe over. Oh, dude, uh, they took out the cameraman on that one, too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the cameraman went down on that one. And then uh, they get back at it. Joe threw him at the, the steel steps. And Darby goes flying right over the steps, bounces off the barricade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy right into the crowd. And at this point, uh, both guys are bleeding. Now, Joe, Joe had this horrific cut on his face. I don't. Where did Joe get? Like, when I, did Joe? I don't. I think that might have been hard way. It had to be. It had I saw, to be because I, 
story or match wise, there was no sense why all of a sudden he had a bloody face. I saw a tweet with uh, of Samoa Joe after the match, and he had like a big hematoma on his forehead. So I think oh, I think no, that might have been a like, hardware. Well, if you compare it to what happened to Moxley earlier in the show, right? They're both cut really early in the match. If you notice. Joe bled the whole time. Moxley's kind of dried up after a while. Right. And that, like, that cut on Joe seemed to be pretty nasty. I, I, I still couldn't figure out how he got it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it might have been, like, I'm, I'm again, I'm looking at a, a, a shot of Joe right now. When <clears throat> Darby dove at him and knocked him over? I, you got me, but he's got a pretty good-looking scar on his face. And it doesn't, like, it looks like an actual cut. Yeah. That's right. not a, a – I don't think it's a blade job. Yeah. You know? No, no. De- this does not look like a blade job, or it's the worst blade job I've ever seen. So they're both they're both out in the actual crowd now. Joe takes them way up the stairs. They're way up in the crowd, halfway up the stairs in the one section of the arena. Uh, just Joe just, like, threw them on the steps, and I think that led into uh, – the picture and picture break there. Yes. Yes, it did. Um, yep. And so they fought up there for a long time and fans are all loving it. And they're basically make their way back down again. Um, they're fighting around ringside or Joe slams them hard on the steel ring steps. Um, like this was all in the pick and pick and Joe had control pretty well the whole time. Um, and it was the whole idea, you know, Darby would get a slight advantage, but then Joe would cut him off. You know, the, the constant idea of the underdog trying to get a shot in, but the, the bigger guy would just cut him off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one, like one of them, like this was one of them where like Darby just ran at him. Darby just ran at him with all his force and Joe just grabs him by the neck and choke slams him like right away. He just yep. toss, cuts him right off. Um, and then Joe set up another table there on the outside by the audience. Um, Ooh, dude, I was I was scared when he did that. I was like, oh, man, that's 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 potentially a, yeah, a lawsuit waiting to happen. What's happening there? Yeah, because, yeah, he leaned it up against the barrier. Yeah. Uh, Darby came back with some chops, but Joe just kind of tossed him out of the ring. Joe did a brain buster. Then he went and got chairs as well. Uh, Joe gave him this kind of weird, kind of like a side suplex on the tops of uh, two of the chairs. Oof. And then at this point, Darby had like uh, this powder. I'm not, I was confused here. Where did he get the powder from? You know, I'm guessing it was in his pocket because it just kind of appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. All of a sudden, Darby had some kind of powder and he threw it into the eyes of Joe and he gave this managed to distract Joe and he managed to give him the code red and a stunner. And then he got the tack filled hoodie. He put it on and then he was going to do the coffin drop with the ta- with the tack hoodie on. Um, and he, and he had trouble. He was having trouble with the hoodie for some yeah. reason. He couldn't, they, couldn't they, get it on. They were saying it quite, looked like they, they looked like the sleeves were tacked together or something like that. So he could out or something. Yeah. Yeah, something had happened, so he couldn't quite get it on, but he still did the coffin drop with the partial hoodie, but Joe still kicked out from that. Um, And then Darby (laughs) goes to the outside, and this was very weird and very convoluted, and poor Joe's got to sell all this time. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We'll, We'll get there. So Darby... Darby goes to the outside and he gets, I don't know, he's, he's found a knife or scissors or something. And he goes around and um, the way the ring is set up, right? You have the, bo- the bottom layer, you have the plywood on the bottom and then you have 
this kind of uh, canvas on top with the foam and that and the canvas over top of it. And Darby just goes around the whole the whole, you know, circumference of the ring and cuts all these little strings that hold the canvas in place. So he pulls back the canvas and pulls back the foam and he's getting it right down to the plywood. And the idea was he wanted to just get exposed to plywood. Well, I'm like, well, I don't know. I thought this took way too long. That that um, was that was the problem. Like it way too it, long. Like even like you said it. You, you said it like five seconds ago. Like that you felt sorry for Joe that he had to sell that long because Darby had some problems with that ring apron. Well, you know what the smart thing was. I'll I'll give you this to them. Whoever is uh, directing in the truck and running the cameras, they kept it off Joe the entire time. They left it on Darby. Yeah, it was a tight so, shot on Darby for sure. T- exactly. So you didn't really think about it as much because you didn't see it. But yep. they kept it on Darby. But I still, I'm just like, oh come on, really? Like you know, I I like Darby and his character, and I I don't like it when they do stuff like this because it looks makes him look like such a dummy. It's like really, you're gonna go? And he struggled with some of them. Oh yeah, big right? time. Yeah. Well, that was even worse. Made it even longer. So he pulls out all the padding from under the canvas. Uh, he finally gets back in the ring. But now at this point, Joe's on the outside. So Darby does a dive, and he went through the table that Joe set up earlier because Joe moved out of the way. So the one that was leaning on the audience barrier, so it was on an angle. So Darby just goes flying right through that. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> and then, uh, Joe then Joe then picks him up. And power bombs him on the thumbtack jacket. Oh, that looks so painful, man. And then he also raked it in, like, Darby's face. Yep. But then while, when he was doing that, this was insane. He's raking the thing in his face. But while he's doing that, Darby reaches backwards and sticks his fingers in Joe's eyes. Like, the total, like, fish hook. Like, he's trying yeah, to yeah. fish hook him. I'm like, yeah. wow. It looked really intense. Um. And then at this point, Darby gets back up. He gave Joe three chair shots. Uh, He got him on that exposed kind of like the plywood part of the ring. But then Joe pulled the ref into the ropes, um, which also caused Darby to crotch himself because he was standing up on the top there. And that allowed Joe to grab him, give him the muscle buster on the plywood. (laughs) And he got the pin. And Joe is the new TNT champion and i'll just quickly do what happened afterwards yeah okay go ahead um i was hoping that again i always like these things when something like this happens for just to end match ends wow new champion holy cow show's over but unfortunately they i guess they wanted to get this working again quickly they wanted to rekindle the feud with uh, wardlow so Joe wins the title. Wardlow comes flying out. He's not dressed in gear. He's got his blazer and black slacks and black shoes on. He comes running down the ring. He attacks Joe. He tries to give him a power bomb, but Joe rolls out of there. Um, so the security guys all run. They run in, and Wardlow uh, <laughs> Wardlow gets to review or gets to renew his feud with the security people. <laughs> um, so he beats up all the security guys. Um, and I think the final image of the show was Wardlow 
picking up one of the security guys and throwing him over the top rope. Under no, no, the I, I think he, I think he had a. Oh no, you're right. I thought he hit a power bomb on the guy. Never mind. Well, he did. I think it was power bomb, but over the top rope to okay. the other guys on the floor. Fair and right. that was the final. The, the show faded out right after uh, that image. So again, I would have been perfectly happy. With just the ending and like, wow, because I didn't, you know, going into this, the great thing about it was I didn't, you didn't really have an idea. I'm like, will they put it on Joe? Will they leave it on Darby? Well, I think the other part that made it even more intriguing was the fact that this is the last match, right? Like Darby said in his promo, right? this is the last, you know, if I win, you don't challenge me. If you you win, I don't challenge you. So I'm kind of like, oh, what does Darby do now? Right. Right. Darby is going to go off into some different areas. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, the match itself was intense, man. That's that I was, liked that. Yeah, I, I, liked I did, it. too. Like it was intense. I liked how how hard hitting it was. I mean, like we say this all the time. Darby's insane. Right. And Joe Joe's not far behind. <laughs> right? Like some of the bumps that Darby took was, were, were pretty nuts. OK, now let's go to the ending after, after the match. OK. I agree with you, man. I would have been okay if Joe's in the ring celebrating. Even even if even if they had just done Joe celebrating, Wardlow's music comes out, he's on the ramp, and they stare each other down as we go off air. I, I would have been okay with that. But then the fact that he came down the ring, I mean, it's nice because I do hope that this is the the restart for Wardlow that he deserves. But I think like to your point, I would have liked to have let this one breathe a little bit and like, you know, let's go out on Samoa Joe being the champion. The thing that I really liked about it is the way the match itself played out. It was not a like like Joe, like Joe really did destroy him. Most oh, yeah. Of the match, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. And it's I just saw. Yeah, this I mean, this, I'm like, this is a this is a proper exchange of the belt here this guy went in and they made it look like he just you know destroyed him in that so it's good you got that and you can build on the darby thing however they want to do that whether he builds back to a comeback or however they work it Mm -hmm. um but yeah i agree i think because aew does this so often uh, they really, they just gotta like. There's no. Why couldn't you know? Why couldn't you have had a segment next week where Joe's just cutting a promo and Wardlow shows up or yep. what attacks him or whatever? Like I, I just, I always. These things need to breathe, right? Yeah. They need to breathe, and you got to give some time. And what's like that's such a perfect way to end shows. A lot of times with this, with the run-in thing, you forget about all the other great stuff and you just remember the silly run-in at the end. It's like, well, if you don't do that, then you do remember the rest and you go, wow, that was a great match. And that was cool that Joe won the title because now Joe, Joe is the only one that's had the title twice now as well. Right. And, and he is once again, the king of television. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The king of tell. I like Taz was really playing that up. He did a good job in yeah. the commentary of constantly pulling the king of television line in there. So I, I love it. Like, I really like here's the thing. I, I there were there were parts of the show that I, I just kind of didn't like at the time. But for the most part, I like the show. This was a fun show. But it, you know what? Like, I think. Again, it, it suffered because the last few shows have flown because they 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 just went way they felt like they went faster. So I kind of felt this show dragged a little bit compared to 
the last two weeks. That's all. Mm. I enjoyed it. It just, you know, it drags for me when Jade's in there. <laughs> Fair enough. You know. So, uh, yeah, that's the show. Uh, that's our thoughts. Numbers, Joe. Are the numbers out? Have you heard anything? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm looking at them right now. They did uh, 901,000, so definitely a bit of a, a bit, a lot of a drop from last week. Right. With a 0.31 in the demo for second place. Now, that said, looking at the TV numbers overall, I mean, it looked like a slow night anyways for, a, like, a lot of shows. So, um, you know, like, again, there's not really much more we can say. They Again, they seem to be hovering in this area, and, and uh, you know, hopefully they they don't drop too much more. But um, this is about par for the course over, the, like, for the last, you know, let's say several months. Right, right, right. Okay, uh, so uh, anything else before you want to put this one to bed? Uh... No, man, I think, uh, again, it was a fun show. I, uh, I'll i admit, I, I did enjoy MJF this week, so I think I'm starting to turn the corner again on said Maxwell J- Jacob Freeman. Um, I, and again, you know what it is? I just loved, I loved, like, come on, the absurdity. I've got five more briefs. No, no, but, but, but here's the thing. Like, I love this. I, but the other part of it was the brevity. Like, it wasn't a long, you know, 10-minute promo. He came in, hey, man, take him out. I got money. I was yeah. like, that's cool. I got right, no problem with right, that, right? Right, right, um, and, and again, like, I got to tell you, I'm really, like, I'm looking forward to MJS versus, versus Takeshita, man. I'm very curious to see how they treat Takeshita yeah, that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, how do they work that match? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, ne- I, I am actually salivating for next week's card man because like again every match that you've said i'm like oh this is gonna be fun <laughs> like so really yeah. looking forward to what that next week's gonna bring yeah i think yeah yeah definitely because it's and it's if you got you've got matches with good stories too right yeah exactly and that's the other part like they're gonna be good matches and they're attached to good stories yeah you know like will brian danielson continue to get closer to mjf uh the acclaimed and the guns. What's yep. where will Billy Gunn go? Where What's will Billy Gunn go? Yeah. Right? MJF versus Takeshita. What happens there? How does that match gel? Yeah. The does, gauntlet match. You know, how yep. do they play that out? You know. Yeah. Does like, Does Ricky Starks get his hands back on Chris Jericho? Right. And then yeah. remember too, we're about what a month away from Revolution. So you know, you you got to figure. I'm hoping by next week they're gonna start those builds. Right. Mm-hmm. If you know, mm-hmm. so. Like I'm like I'm actually looking forward to the next few weeks of AEW television, knowing that they're going into revolution. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, I think that's a good spot to put it to bed for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, the Patreons out there, thank you so much for supporting us. And um, yeah, putting your hard earned cash into it. But really, it's such a great deal and you get tons of great programming. And um yeah, that's it. So on on to the next. Okay, you've listened to this show. On to the next one. And we're we're out of here. Joe, right? Hoodies up, man. Hoodies up. So there you have it. I hope that you like what you listen to. And just remember, you can get that show and every other show that we produce. If you are a patron and to join, all you'd need to do is go to patreon.com slash SNME radio. And it costs you $5 every single month. 
We hope to see you there. And just remember, stay tranquilo.